Good morning, Wisconsin. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Come give us your thoughts on the old National Bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Here's your hosts, Steve Scafidi and Sandy Max. And happy Friday, everybody. A wet Friday here in Wisconsin. Hopefully it's nice in other places around this great country. I know you're tuning in from all over the place. Uh, Sandy is on her listener trip in England, so we'll uh, hear all about that at some point. Uh, but joining us on the phone line is Bill McCaution. Hi, Bill. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Good, and uh, always in studio, Joseph Peck. Have you, missed, have you done a phoner? Yes, I have. Have, I, have you? Yeah, I did. Remember, on the, remember when it snowed like four flights? Oh, that's right. That's, oh, a, that's a good story, because Bill comes all the way, drives all the way in from western Wisconsin, and Joe can't make it in from Milwaukee. I remember that, Bill. Here, I was trying to be nice yeah. and, and wasn't going to give Makashin a hard time for being afraid of a few raindrops. Bill's, wow. got a, he, Bill's got a busy schedule on a Friday. He does. Uh, all right. Yeah, today... Gentlemen, let's. Uh, we're, we're joking around, but uh, I'm going to start with a serious, serious conversation. That is the the attack on Israel last Saturday, and I've spent so much time this week, Bill and Joe, and, and we'll start with you, Joe. Just trying to reconcile it in my head because I've been very critical of of people who are afraid to use the word terrorist. I've been very critical of protesters who forget about the slaughter of innocent civilians and want to focus on the. And I get it the the history of the Middle East, the continual struggle for two-state solution, living peacefully side-by-side side with groups that, frankly, don't like each other. Just, just give me, I'll have each of you give me an overview of where you're at on this story. This is the most complicated, complex, and nuanced region in the world. And despite that, this is pretty straightforward from this regard. The Hamas terrorists who committed these atrocities should be pursued to the ends of the earth to the gates of hell if that is what it takes you cannot you cannot allow these monsters to walk the face of the earth the 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 hamas terrorists who slaughtered women and children and paraded hostages through the streets there is no moral equivalence period and this is a more complex and complicated issue than that and what has been so disheartening to me is how unprepared for that so many of our politicians seem. A few on the left and way the hell too many on the right. To have this American-centric view of the world that and, and presume that this is a straightforward or simple or easy thing and that either... American Democrats or American Republicans had anything to do with this, whether it is, you know, Trump ordering the assassination of Soleimani or the Abrams Accords normalizing some relations in the Middle East and perhaps, you know, leading some people to take their eye off the ball or a six billion dollar bank account in Qatar that is still sitting there untouched. None of that has anything to do with the heinous monstrosities that were carried out and none of that has anything to do with israel's right to defend itself the fact that we can't even agree on that gives me great concern for the next time there is a security challenge for america 
much closer to home that comes anywhere near this level of severity because our politics seems to be stuck on stupid. And I would take it, Joe, beyond just the politicians, the elected officials, the, the citizens of this country and other countries, they seem confused on what, to me, is a pretty simple black and white issue. The slaughter of innocent civilians. None, nothing that comes after that attack would have happened if that hadn't taken place last Saturday. Bill, just kind of an overview, and then uh, I've got... I want to I understand here where this story is going to go, because I have a, a, a real fear that this is going to escalate pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Joe on everything he said. Uh, this was a, a heinous ha- uh, terrorist attack, and, and uh, we should pursue Hamas to the ends of the earth to, to eliminate them. But my fear here is really where you want to go next with this, Steve, is how does this end? I mean, th- these the Gaza Strip and Israel are like across the street from one another. They're, they're not, you know, hundreds or thousands of miles apart. They're, they're literally adjoined, and there's two million people in the Gaza Strip. So where does this end, and how does it impact us? I mean, of course, the United States is going to defend our ally uh, Israel, but 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 at what point? Uh, you know, how far does this go? I'm I, I got to say, in my lifetime, I can't remember being this concerned about a foreign conflict because this this has been going on for hundreds of years in the Middle East, and now they have weapons that are you know can destroy entire cities, and and I don't know where this thing is going to end, uh, but I do know that our politicians on both sides particularly on the Republican side, with one leading contender for the presidential nomination on the GOP side, can't make this about them. This isn't about any politician here in the U.S. This is about the security and safety of, his, of Israel and her people. And uh, they've been a staunch ally of ours since 1948, and I don't see any chance that's going to discontinue. My other concern is, how did we have such a, a faulty intelligence, right? Why did why did we not know this was coming? Whether that's on Israel or us or a combination, uh, that's a little concerning that they were able to pull this off uh, on a Saturday, and, and nobody seemed the wiser for it. So, yeah, this is one that I think is impacting all of us. And then you, we've got a clown show in D.C. where we don't even have a Speaker of the House, who's third in line for... Uh, the presidency. And if, in fact, the United States got drawn into war, and I'm not suggesting we are going to get drawn into war, but if, in fact, we were, you need the Congress Congress to approve that. Right now, the Congress can't do anything. Oh, and we're going to get get to that speaker. Yeah, Yeah, because that that is a whole nother conversation. Just on this point, there's a reality that I don't know if we're not thinking about in the detail we need to be. There are hostages... In Gaza, U.S. hostages, potentially, Israeli citizens, others, that those images, if they come, of the treatment of those hostages, I think escalates this well beyond what, we, what we're talking about now. Yeah, I, listen, I, I think what you, the best we can hope to do is hope that there are leaders, not just in the United States, but among the sort of Western alliance, who can help to keep this as confined a conflict as possible to Bill's, you know, suggestion that this is scary, and, and he's right. This is scary. This can this is the kind of thing that can very quickly spiral out of control, and so the fact that we have seen very clear moves very quickly from the United States, 
moving carrier groups, sending clear, unmistakable signals to um, Hezbollah in the north. You don't want anything to do with this fight. Communi- you know, refreezing uh, that $6 billion so that there is leverage with Iran. Th- these are very complicated, very complex, high-stakes diplomacy, the highest stakes. And I am just grateful that we have someone who literally has 40 to 50 years of foreign policy experience picking up the phone in the White House. You know, you can make a lot of jokes about how old Joe Biden is. The upside of his experience is he knows the players in this region and around the world at a deep personal level. And that can that can be a good thing at a time like this. Bill, could could we also argue that this ramping up of U.S. military presence in the area is that exactly what the terrorists want yeah i think they're looking for an excuse to escalate this and and our presence in that area which i wholeheartedly support i think we have to be there uh could be used as an excuse to escalate and and then where do we go from here i mean i think your listeners probably know by now that today uh there's a national day of jihad what does that mean right what every New York City police officer, if they had the day off, was told, sorry, tomorrow you're not going to be off. Everyone is on duty today. So we're sort of already on high alert and at least our largest city in this country. And, you know, where does this go from here? I I don't know that anyone knows, but hot rhetoric from either our current leaders or past leaders I don't think helps the situation. And I would argue, just as we go to break, that this is a logical byproduct of the mess we have created in politics in this country and perhaps the world. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, strategists on both sides of the political aisle. You can uh, throw a question at us if you'd like. Old National Bank, talking text line 855-616-1620. Both guests mentioned the, the mess in the U.S. US House of Representatives, Republican side of the aisle, trying to find a speaker to place replace Kevin McCarthy. We'll discuss that and more after this. On WTMJ. Uh, Republicans doing their best to not pick a speaker, and they have uh, struggled with uh, candidates like Steve Scalise and uh, Jim Jordan. Now there's some talk of having like a temporary uh, Mr. McHenry, and I don't know enough about him. Maybe Bill or Joe does. So, Joe, we'll start with you. You're the Democrat in the room. Oh, I thought this was McCaution's account. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say I think we should back up and remind people what the three of us Thought last Friday when we yeah, talked, yeah, which was Steve Scafidi had Steve Scalise, yeah. Bill McCaushin had Jim Jordan, yep. I had the field. Uh, since then, both Jordan and Scalise have dropped out. Although Jordan appears to be back in, yeah. Uh, and I, I think the one I, that was easiest. I don't know how you guys missed it. Was I knew this wasn't going to be done by Wednesday. I should have listened Come to Congressman on, Glenn Grossman. He was all over this. This wouldn't be quick, Bill. What are we doing? Well, the optics are horrible politically for Republicans. I mean, we have a thin majority, four seats. And if they, the Republican House conference would operate under the William F. Buckley rule, which is elect the most conservative uh, member who can win, right? Rather than demanding that it's the hardest right person in the conference or it's a middle of the road or rhino or whatever you want to call it, elect the most conservative person who can win. And Glenn, Congressman Glenn Grothman, who I, I consider a friend, and I think he does a phenomenal job, he said today he thought that uh, Jim Jordan would be speaker sometime in the next three weeks. 
Think about that. God, three weeks? Three weeks. Hmm. Right. I don't think that's possible. I think there are conservatives who want to govern. I think there are moderate Democrats who want to govern who, if this goes another week, may form their own coalition and, and choose a speaker. It'll ultimately be a Republican, but it won't be somebody. Joe will win because it will be somebody from the field. Give me a name, Bill. Who would that, who would that I, person be that some Democrats would say, ah, maybe he's okay? Maybe Kern from Oklahoma. Interesting. Uh, you know, if he's got the right relationship with uh, Keith Kern from Oklahoma, maybe he's got the right relationships with Democrats. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't know that Republicans can solve this on their own because they have people that are more interested in parading themselves before TV cameras and and radio microphones than they are about governing. We are in charge. It is our duty to govern. So this should be something they stay in closed conference and all weekend until they come out with a speaker. You know, Matt Gates. I said it last week. I don't think there's anything redeeming about him or the other seven that did this. They didn't have a plan B, and now look where we're at. If Glenn Grothman is right, and this goes three more weeks, what happens during that period of time internationally, in the Middle East, for example? And that backs us, backs us right up to the uh, CR deadline. I mean, which originally I told you, you know, Evil Billy was okay with last week, but that was before there were <laughs> international issues rolling around. Right. Uh, you know, this is a mess. And it's a self-created mess. Eight members of the House Republican Conference decided to go rogue and side with 208 members of the Democratic Conference. They own this. And, you know, we haven't heard from Matt Gates since. He, he lit this fire and, and ran away and pretended he wasn't the arson. He's probably putting his makeup on. So I, I got a text with asked a version of this question. Um, would you be shocked, Bill and or Joe, if the name of former President Donald Trump was inserted into the speaker conversation, Bill? He can't win. And, and, and if you're a Trump supporter, let me explain why. There are 18 members of the House Republican Conference who have uh, are in districts that Joe Biden won. Not a single one of them would vote for Donald Trump. Not a single one, which means he can't get to 218. The other reason he can't win is there is a House rule that would need to be changed that says you cannot serve in leadership if you have been charged with a felony that carries a two-year or greater penalty with it. Donald Trump has been charged with multiple ninety-one that carry far more than two years. So he, he couldn't win. Uh, you know, could a Newt Gingrich? By the way, I'll remind the listeners what I said last week. You do not have to be a member of the House of Representatives right. to be Speaker. So could a Newt Gingrich do it? Yeah, maybe for a 90-day period of time. Just and, what American politics what needs, another old guy. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, he certainly got the experience and uh, he brought the House conference uh, to the majority for the first time in two generations. So, he, you know, he, he knows how to win elections as well. But, you know, it, it may take something like that to, to break this logjam. All right. Just for the folly of it. Um, next week, when we're talking, anything going to ignite the speaker conversation that's different than what we're talking about right now? Will there be a speaker? I don't think I don't see it at this point. I don't either. Oh, then I'll just pick the other side because then I could be right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, and I, I'll just take this opportunity to point out two things. Number one, you heard it from Bill McCoshin. He values experience. Um, so I'm going to remember that one. I'm writing that down in my notes. Well, why do you say that? Because he always, you guys always say Joe Biden's too old. Like, there's an upside to experience. And, 
And uh, well, you'd have a lot of experience and be a hundred years old, but I wouldn't want a hundred year old guy <laughs> experienced or not being president. That's a, two different things. Go ahead. Now you got all fired up. I mean, forget my second point. Um, I apologize for that. We'll, no, take, we'll yeah. take a break. Think about it. We'll take a break. He is pause on that. I got. I have actually have two callers on the line. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take their questions. We're not gonna bring them on the air, but uh, oh, we can bring them. On. We'll see how, how it works. If Charlie can do that, we'll do that. We'll do that after the break. Joseph Pecky, Democratic strategist. Bill McCasha on the right side of the aisle. And yours truly, Political Power Hour, the best hour of talk on politics in Wisconsin and beyond. More after this. Hey, all of you radio listeners. This is Max, and we're back with another joke of the week. Why don't ghosts like rain? It dampens their spirit. Back to the show. Oh, he's polished, even though he took some time off there for whatever he was, by going back to school. Uh, Max, my grandson, my oldest grandson. I missed Max. Nice uh, to have him back. It is I nice to have him Max back. too. Yeah, he's busy. The kids' sports and school and all the other things that kids do. So uh, Workshopping his material in the yeah. offseason. He's very polished now. I, I, I give him credit. The kid's a professional. So thanks to my grandson, Max, for lightening the mood. All right. Last thoughts on the speaker thing. And then I, then I want to take it. I've got two. I'm not going to take the calls, but I'm, I want to read their questions. So don't, don't dump the calls yet. Because they're important questions as we look back at the Israel conversation we started the show with. So last thoughts joe on the speaker of the house oh yeah debate. the one that's the the thought that steve made me forget yeah, but that i made you me. forget yes uh you are hearing some republicans say this doesn't work when you only have a four seat majority there's nobody who can get to 217 or 218 i'm just here to remind you that democrats under nancy pelosi had a majority this narrow and you never saw this or anything close to it level of insanity as you are seeing from republicans it's a fair point bill it's a very fair point. I mean, we have a thin majority. It's our job to govern, which means we have to choose a leader. And they ought to do that. That Whatever it takes over the next 72 hours, they ought to stay in meetings until they have somebody who can get 218. You think they'll do that, Bill? No. <laughs> that is, that's insane to me. Like, get it done. What is the deal here? We're, we're paying you, literally, to get this work done, and you you can't even pass a resolution in support of Israel, which is sort of embarrassing since they're one of our principal allies in the Middle East. Mm. Right. Uh, it's not a good look, right? And it, it is definitely a path towards the minority for the House Republicans. All right. I'm going to, this is, a, again, going back to the is, Israel situation, the attack on Israel by Hamas. Um, so I actually have two callers with the name Bill. So the first one, um, Bill from Wauwatosa. Ask how do how do we rationalize Israelis incarcerating Palestinians? And either one of you could jump on it, Joe. The most complicated, complex piece of real estate in the world. Full stop. It is possible to denounce Hamas and the barbaric attacks that they launched against the Israeli people, civilians, women, children, the elderly, and separate that from a generations-long conflict that has been the, the best of bad choices in terms of how these two peoples try to find a home in the world, right? It, it, my ideal solution is not what the status quo was in Israel and Palestine a week ago. And I don't think there's many folks in this conversation anyways who would say that, oh, no, everything was fine and hunky-dory. But you have to be able to separate that from the heinousness of these attacks and the right for Israel or any other nation to defend themselves and their citizens 
against this type of barbarism. And if you can't hold those two competing, you know, or potentially contradictory thoughts in your head at the same time, you shouldn't be working in foreign policy, global security, or national security, which is why many, many people are not. And and maybe that's where I want to end this is like, none of us mere civilians who haven't studied this region and this conflict for generations know what the experts who are involved here do. And I would just like people to extend a little grace to those experts, the people in Washington, D.C., on the National Security you know, Council, uh, working on both sides, majority and minority in the legislative you know, committees that have jurisdiction over this. These are really smart folks who have the best of intentions and want global security. That is the end goal of anyone who works in this in these areas. And so don't purport to understand their motives or malign them because they make choices that are nearly impossible, right? When it's this messy, the choices are between bad and worse, and you can understand all of that while calling out Hamas for the barbarity of this attack and understanding that everyone involved should be pursued and face justice, whatever that looks like. Bill, the response now from Israel is going to be the thing that's going to be most talked about, and and unfortunately, the, the vicious attacks last Saturday are, will sort of fade. I hope that doesn't happen, and I've certainly been trying to talk about that as much as possible in the show this week, and I will continue to talk about it. But that that question about Israel's response is going to be front and center as they respond, and probably with some pretty significant military force. Yeah, but I would go back to what Bill from Tosa and say, are you justifying what happened last Saturday based on some other events that are unrelated? And... and the, the answer to this actually was best told last night by a mother in Israel who, who had her children taken from her last weekend. And she said, there is no moral equivalency here. There, there just isn't. What happened was terrorist in nature. And, and children were beheaded. You know, uh, families were separated. Kids were slaughtered in front of their Parents, parents were slaughtered in front of their kids. There is no moral equivalency. So if Bill from Tulsa is trying to say there's some modicum of justification for this, I wholeheartedly disagree. Right, that, was, that was Bill from Tulsa. Bill from Milwaukee, uh, I'm going to ask a question, then we're going to go to break, and you guys can think about it. And, and, I, and this is something I alluded to earlier, the comments of Henry Kissinger yesterday, that, that cautioned countries, when you bring groups in that have these kinds of feelings, very sharp feelings about the in this case, Israel, Jewish faith, when you're talking about things like genocide or, or destruction of Israel, and you bring them into your country, you shouldn't be surprised, especially in the case of France, that there's going to be massive protests by these individuals. So Bill from Milwaukee asked this question. Is this a wake-up call for us being conscientious, I'll add the word more conscientious, about who we let in the country, or make it broader, who any country in the world lets in? Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, Political Power Hour on WTMJ. Think about it after this. Thanks for tuning in this Friday, Political Power Hour with Joseph Pecky, Bill McCosh. And I'll start with you, Bill. It's a fair question. Uh, Henry Kissinger alluded to it yesterday. When, when countries make decisions, including the United States, about who comes in, if you bring in people whose support isn't for the country they're coming to, who advocate out loud or the destruction of a important ally of the country, is that a, is that a vet, proper vetting that you should probably consider? And, and this is something that's going to be talked about because we are seeing protests 
around the world, especially today, supporting Palestinians. And I've said all week, I support Palestinians. I completely abhor and hate terrorists, including Hamas, Hezbollah, ISIS, and the list, Al-Qaeda. Bill, what's the answer here? What's the right answer on on questions like this? (laughs) Well, it may be coming from some of the other countries in the Middle East. Take uh, Egypt, for example. They're not allowing uh, the Palestinians to come seek refuge in Egypt. That, that should tell us all something, right? So Israel's telling uh, the citizens of Palestine, the Palestinian citizens, you should leave. The attack is coming. You sh- if, if you're not part of this, you should leave. They're not leaving. They can't get into Egypt in part because they, Egypt has a 20-foot high wall and a 60-foot deep wall. It's all the same wall, but it goes 60-foot deep because of the tunneling that goes on in the Middle East. So they're saying, hey, we're not letting just anybody in here. You have to have our permission to come into our country. The United States does it the opposite way. Right now, we have an open border, actually, frankly, on both sides, on the Canadian side to a lesser degree, but there are drugs coming in from the Canadian portion as well. And down south, I think we all know what's going on down there, and it's, and it's not good. And so, yeah, yeah, I think countries should have a right to, to establish borders and set criteria for when uh, people come into their country. Joe, the, the challenging part of this is you're looking at a Palestinian who wants to come to the United States or wants to go to France, wants to go to the U.K., pick a country. And I'm not sure that anyone ever asked the question, what, do you, what are your thoughts about Israel when that, when that conversation is going, going on? <laughs> This is the challenge. That's a challenge. This whole conflict, right? These are two peoples, the Israeli people, Jews and Palestinians, who for generations have been looking for a place to call home where all of their people can access economic opportunity, safety, a place to raise their families and live according to their culture and values. Right. And so like, is it easy to sit here and you know say on the radio like every country should have a seventy-two question multiple choice test of how you feel about this that and the other thing? Well, if you are a mother or father or young person striving for a better life because you want those things, safety and economic opportunity, and a place to raise your family and live in accordance with your values, why wouldn't you just lie on the multiple choice test? How, of course. how do you get to of course the the, the roots of the like? This is really, really complicated and complex beyond the stuff that is black and white, which is you do not get to terrorize other human beings on this planet. And if you do, there are consequences and you should face justice. The country of France yesterday banned pro-Hamas protest rallies. Do you think that's the right decision? That's that's a really really tough one, and I, I hate to equivocate, but I didn't think about it before this. So let me let's play this out. I, you know, here in this country, we value freedom of speech and expression. That includes the freedom of to speak and express yourself like an idiot, like a knucklehead. And so I am very wary of changing those rules, particularly at a time of crisis and conflict, because I think crisis and conflict can often lead to bad, bad decision making. You want to go be an idiot? You get to go be an idiot in this country. And to me, that's where I would lean while urging local authorities, law enforcement, and all the rest to make proper 
uh, precautions and ensure the the safety of the public. That's how I would approach this if if I were in charge for a day. Good thing I'm not. Bill. Less is better at this point. You know, whether it's pro-Israel or pro-Palestine, I think the the fewer demonstrations while this is working itself out it, uh, will lead to few, fewer conflicts in other areas, whether it's France or New York City. Uh, you know, I, I, as I said earlier in the program, I think we ought to lower the temperature if we can, uh, because this is going to get worse before it gets better. We all want to lower the temperature, Bill, but you can't have the state saying this protest is allowed and this demonstration isn't. That's not, no, I agree that's not that. who we are, right? I'm so, a yeah. free speech guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one I'm reading because, one, it's a, from a veteran, and two, it's a long-distance listener, and they're taking the time to listen to the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. So from a multi-tour combat veteran, powerful words. War is stupid. We must seek peace. Where, and I'll add who, is our voice of reason? Joe. Well, first of all, thank that veteran for their service. Absolutely. Uh, I was calling during the break with Steve uh, an inscription on one of the monuments in Washington. It is good that war is so terrible, lest we become too fond of it. And it is those who have served who know best. And so I will leave it there with that gentleman. We should seek peace. Blessed be the peacemakers. Bill? I don't know who that peacemaker is today, uh, but I hope they emerge over the next 72 or hours or, or week because we need it. And, and uh, you know, hot tweets or, or X, X's, what do we call them? What, uh, X's today? X, you know, yeah. N- none of, yeah, none of that is helpful. Uh, we, we need to find peace here. I'll put it this way, and, and again, thanks for your service and thanks for taking the time to, to uh, write to us. Um, this is where leadership really matters. And, you know, there's a lot of fake leaders, a lot of people like to be on TV and talk and all that stuff. But this is where, like, really smart people, best and brightest is the cliched term about who you want to be. Have the Except team. it means the opposite. Yeah. But yeah. we'll uh, go but, down that rabbit hole. But, I, you know, this is where we need those people that are serious about things and don't play political games. And, unfortunately, we have a multitude, uh, an oversupply of people who are, just exist to talk and write press releases. So I will give this president credit. Now, his elderly voice isn't as strong as I would like, but the message, and, and you'll say, why do you say that? Because the people of Israel enthusiastically endorsed his message, as did leadership. That suggests that Joe Biden, President of the United States, said the right thing. All the other noise, including former President Donald Trump having some stupid disagreement with uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, yeah. Bibi, um, I, I think it's silly and a waste I, of time. I'll, I'll put it this way to underscore the point and not just be the typical partisan Democrat. If you were to say from the last three Democratic presidents, so Clinton, Obama and Biden, who would you most wish to be in the Oval Office at this moment of conflict in the Middle East? To me, it is not a close question. The easy answer is out of those three presidents. Joe Biden is the one you want on the phone talking to these world leaders because of his experience. because of his years of experience because of the deep personal relationships he has with these folks because you know he he's been there he's done it and that's a good thing it doesn't mean that he's going to be the answer this is you know this is going to get messy and ugly but I what I have heard in the president's republic remarks is he's giving himself 
room to operate strategically down the road should he need to. All right, Joe Biden, Bill McCoshin, political power. Man, this hour's going fast. Maybe we need to expand this at some point. <laughs> All right, after the break, uh, we got grab bag coming up. I, I got a few more questions for both of you. We'll get to those and your questions after this on WTMJ. During the break, I was thinking about what I was going to ask Bill and Joe here because we're going to get to the break, the uh, grab bag in a second. Um, so I'm going to ask this sort of a generalized question, and generally I'm not a fan of those kind of questions, but it's like a big picture thing. I have zero confidence right now in our election process. I have zero confidence that our public understands the importance of elections anymore. I think it's more about you know partisan policy nonsense. You know, cheerleading for for you know pol- politics seems dumb to me. So I'm going to ask you just basic question. Uh, am I wrong on You're this? You're wrong. Okay, tell me Full why I'm stop. wrong. Tell me You're why wrong. I'm wrong. Because in 2020 and in 2022, you saw record turnout for the presidential election of 2020, and you saw a safe, secure, free, and fair election. Yes, some knuckleheads you know, did some knucklehead stuff afterwards, but we pulled it off. It's more than that, though. We had an attack on our capital, and then, and then I understand. <laughs> Believe me, I understand that. And then in 2022, you had high turnout for midterm elections. So I think as easy it is it, as it is to sit here and just bemoan, I think the American people have demonstrated by going to vote and participating in the process that our system can still work. And All right. still work. Bill, talk me off the ledge. Did we lose Bill? And, and, oh, there he is. Are you st- yep, yeah, we got no, you. I'm here. Uh, um, don't forget, Joe, the turnout in the spring election was a record as well yeah. uh, for Janet Protosiewicz. So uh, people are engaged here. I think that's a good thing. That's what democracy is all about. I want that to continue. I, I wish the fringes on both sides would uh, either go away or, or return to the minority faction of their own co- uh, caucuses. Well, they are the minority uh, in my party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think they are in mine, too, to be honest with you. I hope uh, so, Bill. It's just that uh, cooler heads haven't prevailed recently, and I'm hopeful that they find a way to do that as it relates to a a new speaker, somebody that people can rally behind. I mean, we're in crisis right now. This isn't a time to attack Bibi Netanyahu. It's not really a time I'm going to start probably kick off some Republicans to attack Biden. I mean, this is a time where you sort of rally around the flag and, and do what's right. And Republicans, what they need to do is get a speaker done in the next three days. I'm glad you said that, Bill, because that's an important point. It, it is time to rally around the flag in the country, and I, and I think some people are missing that point completely. Um, and I apologize. I called you. Did I call you Joe Biden before? <laughs> I've been, believe me, I've been called it. worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, in your mind, that's like that's a compliment, right? So yeah. yeah. So Joe's not mad. Why be texters? Why be mad? I, I <laughs> hey, I made a mistake. <laughs> God. All right. Grab bag. Joe Zapecki. Um Last week we talked about how uh, choices have consequences. And this week, um, Robert Kennedy Jr. announced that he is no longer running for the Democratic nomination for president. He will run as an independent. And wouldn't you know it, the Steve Bannons and crazy Republicans who have been promoting and pushing and trying to make RFK happen in the Democratic primary are suddenly realizing, oh, my God, the Frankenstein monster has escaped from the lab and now we've got an anti-vax lunatic who might take away some votes from the right and make it harder to return Donald Trump to power. 
boy, I'm gonna. Re- I really feel bad for Steve Bannon and those guys. <laughs> That's my grab bag. All right, you got fired up on that one, Bill. My grab bag is a shout out to recently retired public defender Kelly Sue Thompson. Kelly is the daughter of Tommy Thompson, our longest serving governor ever, former U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary, former president of the University of Wisconsin System. She is his oldest child. She has been the state's public defender for the past 12 years and has done a remarkable job. She fought to get uh, more attorneys statewide to adjudicate cases more expeditiously. She fought to get higher wages for those same people. It took her three budgets, even with Republican majorities. Uh, She is a tenacious bulldog for her clients, Uh, even though she has ruled out potentially running for office someday. I'd say to your listeners, don't be surprised if you see Kelly Sue Thompson's name on a ballot someday, and and hopefully that's sooner than later. So thank you for your service, Kelly. You did a remarkable job. And I will make mine quick. The people of Israel, and especially the family members who endured unspeakable tragedy, I've seen um, a lot of the networks have been doing a lot of um, interviews with these with these people, and um, they've actually blown me away with their composure, because I wouldn't be that composed, to be honest, given the, the nature of what happened. So the people of Israel, you know, these are big, big stories, complex problems, like Joe said at the beginning of this hour. We have to sort them out, because the, the alternative is deadly beyond belief. Just to put this in context, you've heard some people say this is Israel's 9-11. It's actually worse than 9-11 was here because it is like if every single American knew one of the people who died on 9-11. That is what Israel right. is dealing with. May their, may their memory be a blessing. Gentlemen, we'll do it again next Friday. Bill McCaution, Joseph Pecky, the political power hour on WTMJ.